right, this is Gary Parrish again from CBS Sports. It's now Wednesday, December 30th. This is the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. I'm joined by Matt Norlander, Sam Bassini. It's actually the last podcast of 2015, and there's a, a lot to discuss, most notably that Michigan State lost last night on Tuesday night. Um, we had the podcast on Monday. We talked a little bit at the end of it about the Michigan State game at Iowa, and I actually said that um, I thought Michigan State would take its first loss there. Now I'm not trying to pat myself on the back because it's not like I was uh, I really nailed it. Is you know Vegas had Michigan State as a, a two two and a half point underdog, so uh, they were supposed to lose the game and they did. But it just sort of um, and I guess this goes without saying. I saw a lot of people posting it on on Twitter last night. And it's one of those things like you, you read it and you go, well, of course, you know, you know, they're just not the same without Denzel Valentine. Well, like, of course, they're not the same without Denzel Valentine. But I, I think I take it a step further. Not only are they not the same without Denzel Valentine, and Sam, I'll start with you. I'm not sure they're one of the best 15 teams in the country without Denzel Valentine. I'm not sure they're top 20 without Denzel Valentine. I'm not sure there's any elite team in the country or team that we've had ranked in the top, say, 10 uh, that needs a player to be any semblance of itself as much as Michigan State needs Denzel Valentine. Yeah, uh, I think that that's probably a fair statement. Even Providence has Ben Bentel right. that's really stepped up, and uh, he, he carried them through a couple games without Chris earlier this year. Uh, yeah, Michigan State, I would agree with you. I don't think they're a top 15 to 20 team without Denzel Valentine. They're certainly not a favorite to win the Big Ten without Denzel Valentine. Uh, luckily for them, they have Minnesota, Illinois, and Penn State in their next three games, so they can kind of stem the tide for a little bit, hopefully win all three of those games, even though two of them are on the road, uh, and probably be fine. I mean, Bryn Forbes is still a really good shooter. Tum uh, Tum Nairn is still a really good defender. They have a lot of the role pieces that you want around Denzel Valentine, but they don't just have the guy right now, and that's a significant problem. It wouldn't be crazy if they dropped one of these games to Minnesota, Illinois, and Penn State, but I would probably expect them to win all three, and then hopefully he'll be back for their next game against Iowa uh, on January 14th. Yeah, I think they'll start 3-1 and one in Big Ten play, but like you said, it's not crazy to think they could drop another one without Denzel Valentine, and though this is, you know, uh, I guess been described as a, quote, minor knee surgery, because it is, you know, by definition, a minor knee surgery. It could have... You ready for this? Major ramifications. It could actually decide the Big Ten title, right? I mean, this minor yeah. knee surgery could could ultimately, we look at the standings in March, and we go, um, wow, Michigan State, if not for those one or two losses they took without Denzel Valentine, they'd be Big Ten champs. Instead, it's Maryland or Purdue or whomever, right, Norlander? I think that's accurate. You know, this could, in uh, a weird Major way... Major ramifications. Well, it could reemphasize Valentine's value overall. So what will it do in terms of, you know, player of the year standing and, and how we view him? We'll see how Michigan State plays without him the rest of the way. If they struggle and lose again, and then if he comes back and they, you know, look like a top-five team once again, um, it will reflect very well upon him. Iowa, give credit to them in that it was kind of a no-bones-about-it victory. They controlled everything pretty much from the start, and it was a comfortable home win. Uh, that saw the fans rush the floor for the second time this or first time this season. Um, so good on Iowa. They needed a win like that. Uh, Hawkeyes are, I think, can, I think they can reach the NCAA tournament. Uh, Michigan State, I would, I would probably peg them. With Valentine, I think I'd still put him second in the league with a healthy Valentine. Uh, right there with Purdue, but I think I'd, I'd give the slight edge. But the Big Ten should be pretty interesting going forward. Um, so that was, you know, 
a pretty interesting outcome. I, I think that the UConn win at Texas on Tuesday night was pretty sizable because UConn needed uh, a win in the non-conference to that degree. It was their first road win. They didn't have Amita Brima. Texas didn't have Cameron Ridley. So that effectively cancels out each team. And in my opinion, when the committee evaluates that win down the road, they will look at it as, as if you know both teams were on even ground, so fully healthy. So that's a, a really nice win for UConn and for Texas. Listen, they have the win over North Carolina, so I think we'll end up seeing both of those teams in the tournament. Maybe not, you know, anything close to a five seed or better. But uh, to me, that was one that uh, Connecticut absolutely needed on on Tuesday night, and they were able to get one. Um, yeah, let's back up a little bit and go back to Michigan State because its loss means that um, there's going to be a new number one in the AP and coaches poll. Not to mention the CBS Sports top twenty-five and one. Who should it be, Norlander? Who should be ranked number one in the country right now? Mm. Did you, I don't have your top 25. Did you have Kansas number two? I have Kansas number one now. I, I, yeah, I you have Kansas number one. I've updated uh, it this morning, and I have Kansas number one, Oklahoma number two. Uh, and, of course, you know Kansas has the loss. Oklahoma doesn't. I'm actually not a guy that Here's said, what I would say. Here, let, me, let me give you the resumes real quick. Kansas has the one loss, neutral court loss to Michigan State. It came without Diallo, but the counter-argument to that argument would be Okay, but would Diallo have made a difference? He's playing 10 minutes a game. Like, would he have been a difference last month against Michigan State? Would he have been the difference between a win and a loss? Maybe, but, I mean, that's a reasonable counterargument. Meantime, Kansas has three top 50 Ken Palm wins. It's a Vanderbilt win, a UCLA win, and an Oregon State win. Oklahoma is 11-0. They've got that blowout win over Villanova, which was awesome. But that's all they got, really. The other, No other top 50 Ken Palm wins. So it just sort of comes down. Yeah, I mean, like. Can- I mean, I would also say, well, two things. One, I'm not a guy that says, okay, just because this team is undefeated, this team isn't, it should be ranked ahead. So right. I don't have a huge issue with that. I will say we could and should take into account um, Oklahoma's wins last week in the Diamond Classic. I understand it didn't come against the toughest competition. But that's a program that traveled all the way to Hawaii Twice. two times in two weeks. And I think a lot of teams would not have been able to beat Villanova, Washington State, Hawaii on its home floor. You know, Hawaii, that's, you know, it's one of those things where that's actually one of the toughest games you can play because of the travel, because of the location. And Hawaii is actually 10-2 and two this season. Um, so give Oklahoma credit for that. Sure. I would probably put Oklahoma just barely, just barely ahead of Kansas right now. But guess what? It we're going to get to see both these teams play on Monday, yeah. which is awesome. Kansas gets the home game first at Fog Allen, and it looks like, you know, as long as Kansas can beat Baylor on Saturday, who does Oklahoma play? I don't know who they There got. you got Iowa State at home. I mean, those are both tricky. I mean, sure. neither one is like a guarantee, but if they both win, then we get what I would think will be Probably. number one versus number two. Yeah, and what's interesting yeah. is that if, if – you know, in the coaches poll, Oklahoma was number two last. It is number two right now. In the AP poll, Kansas is number two right now. So what we could actually have on Monday night is a number one versus number two. But it could be like number one, Kansas versus number two, Oklahoma, according to the AP. And number yeah. one, Oklahoma versus number two, Kansas, according to the coaches poll. And let me say something real quick because you people out there on Twitter are driving me crazy. So I, I wrote last night and then tweeted last night that um, we could – let me make sure you understand what word I'm using here. Could have a number one versus number two on Monday night. And I can't tell you how many Iowa State fans tried to explain to me how I, quote, jumped the gun. How did I jump the gun? We could have one, couldn't we? we, we and guess what? We, we might not. But we could. 
And I think yeah. we probably will. In fact, like, you know, this weekend, Kansas is going to be favored. And, All uh, your shots, GP. And, Call it. And, oh, yes, we're going to have a number one versus number two. Both teams are going to be favored. Kansas is going to be favored, and Oklahoma is going to be favored. Like, the idea that, like, <laughs> jump the gun, like, I just wanted to punch these people in the throat, not even, like, in the face, like, actually in their throat where it hurts worse. Yeah, Oklahoma is an 82% favorite to beat Iowa State. Yeah, so uh, what are we talking about? Bomb. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Iowa State fans seem rather touchy this year. You know uh, what they, I, listen, I lo- some reason they, they are, that's a touchy, that's a touchy fan base, isn't it? Yeah. I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't know about generally, but this, no, this year it, particularly it, 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 seems. I, I found it to be true generally, like even like in recent years, like I, they are, they're, uh, they're touchy. That's a good word for it. I think they, like they're, they're a touchy bunch. They get the. They always feel like they're getting slighted, and I had a I had a, an Iowa fan explain to them they have an explain to me that they it's because they have an inferiority complex, like a little brother syndrome type of thing. I don't know whether that's true, but that's uh, when I've uh, when I've asked somebody else about this, they said, "Well, you have to understand the the dynamics of of the state," and I said, uh, "I don't want to understand the dynamics of the state." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that, but it is like there's a touch that is among the Yukon the Yukon fan base is touchy. Yeah, and the Iowa State fan base is touchy. I found that. And the, don't 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 be out there not acknowledging NC State. Oh God, they 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 they're crazy forever. Well, <laughs> but, well, the UConn fan base is just talking about the disrespect that we give that program because uh, you know they they won multiple national titles in sure. the last eight years. They have. That's true. Well, they it's, don't it's like, like it's like the yeah. it's like the Florida State fan base in college football. You can't be disrespecting the Knowles. <laughs> I don't understand any of that. Like, <laughs> like I, I always I, I wish I wish we could ever get and we never will. And perhaps the passion and like the irrational passion is is sort of what uh, you know pays my mortgage. So whatever. But like I, I just I would I would encourage every fan base to try to get to a point to where they understand that I swear to God my. Uh, and on both of my sons' lives, I do not think about you, your your team or school as much as you think I do. I, <laughs> I, I like I I don't care as nearly as much as you think I do. Kentucky could win every game or lose every game; it will not affect my life in any real way. And I and same same goes for Iowa State and North Carolina and Connecticut and Purdue, and Butler, like, I, I, Memphis, like, I really, I'm just not emotionally invested, like, I'm, I'm just trying to get my two-year-old to stop throwing blocks at the dogs, I don't really care whether your team wins or loses that much, it, it, good morning, like, GP, <laughs> unless, of course, I have money on your team, or money against your team, then I care, but short of that, like, I, it, it's always been fascinating to me, the idea that, that some fans, not all, but some, they really do think you enter the situation with all these desires and biases. And they're really just not, for most of us, like they're just not, they're non-existent. They're just not there. Like we don't, we don't think about you as much as you think we think about you or as much as you think about us. Yeah, like I, I rarely think about things like on the team level, even to begin with, like I, I basically just think of NBA draft prospects like constantly. So you're just, you're just sitting there um, at home rank and you got like, you know, you're looking at the 233rd draft prospects, Sam. That's why we love you. Yeah. Right, right. I, I do have a ranking out to 200 right now. I'm releasing out to 150, but I'm out to 200. Well, that seems silly. Um, okay. So I've got Kansas number one. Um, I think you could reasonably put Oklahoma number one. And I sort of wrote about this this morning. Um, 
I think you could reasonably go a lot of different directions. How about Xavier? Like if you if you value undefeated records, um, like you say, hey, if if you're arguing on some level, Oklahoma could be number one. Then why not Xavier? Xavier's a twelve and zero. They've got four top fifty Ken Palm wins as opposed to just I'm one. I'm down with that. Now the the problem with Xavier, there is no problem with Xavier. Let me rephrase. Uh, the issue with Xavier's resume would be, yeah, they got four top fifty Ken Palm wins, but zero top thirty. So they're all against teams that are good, but not they haven't they haven't really recorded a quote signature win. Although the win over Cincinnati sure. is obviously good. now. Uh, I mean now now we Thursday brings that opportunity. Sure, right now look, listen, all of this is like. You know, I do the poll text every Monday, and I don't care. Like, if, if if the polls were being updated today, and I know they're not, but if they were being updated today, you had Kansas number one, you had Oklahoma number one, you had um, Xavier number one. Like, I wouldn't, you know, none of it's crazy to me. Like, you could go a, a variety of different ways. I Now, in, in weeks past, you had, in my opinion, unless you just chalked it up to Denzel Valentine is not playing, so I'm not going with Michigan State, that's fine, but... Michigan State needed to be number one. But now I, you could go three, four, five different ways, and it wouldn't make much difference to me. So Xavier Nova on Thursday. Uh, Butler Providence. What's up? In Butler Providence. That's right. And yep. uh, Providence goes into Hinkle. It's actually the second time ever that Butler has played a game at Hinkle where Butler and the team that was playing are both ranked in the top 15. So huge. I mean, you wrote a column on it, GP. Just uh, a really big, big New Year's Eve Thursday for the Big East, because it's four best teams, we'll be playing each other, and we'll get a good look. It's a good national stage before, you know, all the football comes, I guess, uh, right? Because both those, yeah, both those games will happen. We actually have Providence Butler on CBS Sports Network at 2.30. Good promotion. Xavier Nova starts at noon on Fox Sports 1. We'll get a good look. Uh, I think Nova's going to win, because I still, I still believe, actually, I, I very much believe in Xavier and Nova in terms of being pretty solid bets to reach the second weekend and being clear cut uh, top 15 teams without a doubt. But I think Nova will actually hold at home. I'm in more intrigued by Providence at Butler just because I, I generally buy Butler, but I could definitely see Providence going in and getting a win here. Uh, what do you guys think? I think it's more likely Providence wins at Butler than it is Xavier wins at Nova. That, I, I, but like, but nothing mm-hmm. that happens in these games would surprise me. Like, nothing. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's four good teams. Combined record of those four right now, forty-five and four, and the 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 four losses are like they're good losses. Nothing outside of the top fifteen of of the AP poll. Like, yeah, it's like Miami, Virginia, um, Michigan, who, State, Michigan State, Michigan State, and Oklahoma. Yeah, those yeah. are losses. Those are crazy. Losses. I mean, no, they've really been good. Like the, the and like. When you look at Wojo seems to have Marquette headed the right direction. Georgetown, like I don't know what's going on there really, but like you know, it's still Georgetown. It's there that you could you could conceivably still see a situation wherein Georgetown finishes in the top four in that league, even though it's got some really weird losses. I, mean, I, I, I I'm I, not totally out on Georgetown. They're just they're they're weird and underachieving right now. I, I think uh, I think my larger point is more of like the league's fine. Like it's never going to be what it was, but like it's never going. I don't think it's going to be as bad as some people predicted. Like um, Butler seems to have settled into like a like the right coach. You know, some of this is like get the right guy in the job, and I think you know, Jay's obviously the right guy at Villanova. I don't think you could uh, anybody could reasonably argue Chris Mack's not the right guy at Xavier. And um, and then you get Ed 
uh, Cooley at Providence, who's been great. And then grew up in the city. I mean, how about this? Well, this is what's interesting. Like, you might be at risk of losing an Ed Cooley or a Chris Mack under different circumstances. Ed Cooley grew up there. Yeah. Chris Mack grew up there. Ed Cooley literally was sweeping floors of convenience stores two miles away from the Providence campus. And Jay Wright grew up there in Philly. So, like, three of those four schools, this is interesting, three of those four schools have coaches who are obviously really good at their jobs, but also kind of, not forever, maybe, but kind of tied there in a in a more natural way than somebody else might be tied there uh, based well, off, yeah, based well, off, like, it's home. Like, these guys also, are home. Yeah, also remember John Thompson III, who... Of course. I, I mean, things are getting a little dicey there, I would say. Sure. But, uh, yeah, that's another guy who is tied Go, there to that yeah, and this is Yeah, and it's, it's a project, but down the road... I mean, you've got, you know, Chris Mullen played at St. John's and he coaches there now. Like, they're not even remotely relevant right now. But in general, you look half the league. I'm not certain that one's going to work out. I'm not saying it will either, but I'm just saying you've got half the league with (laughs) coaches that have ties that run really, really deep to their specific communities. That seems uncommon, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does. I've never thought about that until we were talking about it uh, just now. Meantime, Some podcast magic right there. That was podcast magic. All it took was me ranting about silly fans on Twitter for about five minutes. Next thing you know, we're coming up with new column ideas. Um, SMU is still undefeated. And I looked at this last night. Um, they're obviously ineligible for the American Athletic Conference Tournament and the NCAA Tournament, but they are undefeated now. And they probably won't be an underdog. And they might not be an underdog then, but they, prob- they almost certainly, barring injury, won't be an underdog till at least February 18th. Yeah. Is it a good story or a bad story for college basketball if we look up in mid-February and the last undefeated team in the country is an SMU team that's ineligible for the postseason? Because that is a, I don't know if it's a likely scenario, but it is a, it's a realistic scenario at this point. You can I think it's first time. Yeah, I think it's a pretty bad story. I mean, <laughs> this is a, this is a uh, program that's being punished, a set of players that's being punished for. Uh, I would say past transgressions and they got kind of railroaded by this, uh, by this entire investigation in a way that they weren't able to transfer and move on to other uh, universities. So I would say it's a bad story. I mean, I get that a lot of it involves Keith Frazier, a current player on the team, but like, it's not a great story. I don't think either. Norlander. Good story. I don't think it's, I don't think it's, listen, I don't think this is a positive story. Uh, it reflects badly on the NCAA. The more SMU wins, yep. the deeper it goes yep. into being an undefeated team, which it does very much look like SMU will be the last team without a loss in college basketball this season. Anything can happen. Obviously, Cincinnati is capable of going in a week from now and, and beating SMU. Cincinnati's not perfect. They had some weird stumbles and got the crap kicked out of them against Temple, in which Mick Cronin decided to to basically go off and practically disown his own was, players. Can, can, I, can I quote Mick Cronin real quick on that yeah, one? Please. You can, yeah. hey, Mick, just, just going forward, know this. You can always quote Mick Cronin. <laughs> Mick Cronin, after their loss to Temple, which was at, like, Fifth Third Arena. Um, Mick Cronin, I'd like to apologize to all of our former players <laughs> who had to watch us play defense like that. Too many guys on our team think we're good because we're ranked. We should be embarrassed. We can't get stops. We lack toughness. End of story. I'm not throwing my players under the bus. It's my fault. We lack toughness. It's a fact. We have, we've lacked talent in the past. We've lacked height. We've never lacked toughness. Right now, they're a disgrace to everyone who's helped build the program. <laughs> I owe those guys an apology. 
<laughs> I love Nick it. One of my favorite, one of my favorite, one of my favorite things to do is apologize on behalf of other people. Oh, yeah. I, 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 and that's essentially the, though Mick would every once in a while throw in like, um, I'm not, I'm, you know, it's, it's us. It's my fault. It was mostly they're a disgrace. I apologize for them. I just yeah. apologize for their performance. I love apologizing for other people. It puts it, <laughs> it puts people in such awkward positions. He just he just he just put up Oscar Robertson Robertson just right there, you know, <laughs> right in front of everyone. But yeah, for SMU, in fantasy, they right? They did look like crap. Oh, without a doubt. But heading back to SMU, it's it, listen. The more we'll talk about it, uh, the more we'll go back to the NCAA case. And there was. There was reason to punish in a lot of ways, sure and I don't disagree with most of it, but it is a very hard sell to hit a program with an NCAA postseason ban when the current players, a lot of them, had absolutely nothing to do with it whatsoever, and a lot of the sanctions, you know, from this Larry Round suspension to the recruiting stuff to vacating wins, which doesn't mean anything to me, and SMU actually was, is fighting that, um, but it does say something that SMU did not fight the postseason ban. So. Here's another thing. And worth- I, you know what? I think that's wrong. Like, I think that's wrong on, on behalf of the student-athletes. Let me be clear. They cheated. They got caught. They should be punished. Pe- okay? Period. End of story. Keith but- Frazier was the, was the central figure in this, and he is on the current roster. We do. I do want to say that. So it's not a yeah. complete disgrace, you no. know, that it's some former player. Like, he is part of this, and he did yeah. serve as punishment. They, they cheated. They got caught. They should pay a price for that. But I am fundamentally against postseason bans um, if they're applied once a semester has already started. In other words, after kids no longer have an opportunity to transfer mm-hmm. um, if they if they choose to. Because what? what you do is is you take those seniors on SMU's roster right now, and once they were already I believe enrolled in school or, you know, it was really late in the process. You hit them with a 2016 postseason ban. To me, the right thing to do is tell SMU, you, you, you cheated. We caught you. Uh, this is the punishment, but we're not going to punish these kids who are already enrolled in classes. We are going to let these seniors play in this postseason. If they can make this postseason, you will be banned from 2017. And, um, and if any of your underclassmen uh, with only one year of eligibility after this season want to transfer, they are free to transfer so they can spend their senior years trying to compete for an NCAA tournament. To me, that's the right way to do it. And in fact, it, it, it stings a little worse because you, you're at risk of losing you know, underclassmen with only one year of eligibility left. Like, isn't that what um, – who was it from Connecticut that transferred? Yes, Oriaki. Yeah, Alex Oriaki, right? They, they said, here's the postseason ban. Oriaki's only got one year of eligibility left. He can leave if he wants to. Where did he even go? Washington. Missouri. 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 Oh, oh, God, yeah. Why did I say Washington? Missouri. He went to Missouri. So, like, I don't, I don't know if that was good or bad, but that's what he did. Um, I, to me, that's the fair thing to do because otherwise you are, like, quite literally punishing – you know, student athletes who had nothing to do with nothing. And I know that that's always going to kind of be the case, but um, I don't think you should rip away somebody's senior season. So I don't, I didn't like the way the NCAA, um, you know, made it a 2016 ban considering how late in the process um, that ruling came down. Um, I don't like the idea that SMU didn't fight on behalf of those student athletes, but yes, SMU should have been punished, but it should have been a 2017 ban, not 16. Well, here's the thing that you have to remember too. Like, the NCAA literally just punished Hawaii like last week. And what did they get? They got a 2017 that's, postseason ban that's as opposed the way, to a 2016. That's the way it should like, have gone from SMU too. It, it's not like this wasn't an option in the back of 
the NCAA's mind. You right. know what I mean? It clearly was as they were dealing with the Hawaii sanctions. So what are you doing? Like, why would you, why would you punish? They did it these because I'm not justifying it, but they did it with Hawaii. Uh, so they did it with Hawaii because the season had already started. With SMU, the semester had started, the season has not, had not. I think that's I, I know, but that's the same thing. I'm not saying that's, that's, that's the right that, call. Yeah, I know, that's I'm a, just saying that's part of the timeline. Yeah, that's a distinction without a difference, though. Like, yeah, it, yeah like I it, agree. It, it doesn't, because once you're enrolled in those classes, you can't. I mean, I'm sure there's a I way, agree. but you're not. You're not transferring once you're once once the class once to, that should be the that should be the deal. I'm like, really, I would like for this to be like legislation. If if a semester has started on a campus, and you are going to put a school on a postseason ban, then that postseason ban has to come the next season, the following season. It, like if the semester has started, it comes the next season. If if not, you can do it for this season and tell the kids you can go if you want to go. But if it's already started, it's got to go for the next season. To me, that's I don't even know who could intelligently argue against that. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. No, I, I mean, I guess that I guess the another reason for the Hawaii thing is that all of the players were off the team at this point, as opposed to SMU still has Keith Frazier on the team. But that's still ridiculous to me. Like uh, Isaac Foto, I believe, would still be eligible this year at Hawaii if they didn't boot him from the team. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, SMU just decided to give Keith Frazier a second chance. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm not going to fault them for that, especially given that. I mean, Frazier doesn't necessarily seem like a bad kid. It just seems like a kid that made academic mistakes. Yeah, just got, he just got caught up in high major recruiting, right? I mean, that's what happened there. Yeah. You know, he just got caught up in high major recruiting. Um, I, like, so for, I don't know. I, I don't know whether it's a good story or a bad story. I think it's definitely a bad story for the NCAA if SMU remains undefeated, like deep into the season. Um, like we could end up in, with a scenario where SMU is ranked number one in the country, but ineligible for the NCAA <laughs> tournament. Be, I mean, that would be Yeah, just so I think it'd be a ridiculous. bad story for the uh, NCAA, but I'm a... I'm just a fan of stories, period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so, it's, it's so interesting. Like, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's bad yeah, for us. I'm yeah. saying it doesn't so, look good for the NCAA. Yeah, so I, I think I'm rooting for that. I think uh, despite everything I said earlier about not really caring one way or another, I think I now care. I think I want SMU to uh, continue to win every game. To, to, oh, I'm, I'm 100% rooting for yeah, SMU to win every game. To I keep, want them to win every single game the rest of the year. It would be uh, it would be interesting. Um, last thing before we get out of here. Norlander, did you fire Johnny Jones last night or what? I, I came pretty <laughs> close, man. Here's here's my thing with LSU. They lose at home to Wake Forest. Wake Forest is not a bad team. All things considered, Wake Forest is actually putting itself in a very good position to contend for an NCAA tournament bid, which was not something that a lot of people thought would be likely this season. I think next season was the expected jump for Wake Forest. And maybe it will be next season. Maybe they struggle in the ACC and they don't uh, they don't sniff 20 wins. But right now, Wake Forest is 9-3, has wins over UCLA, um, LSU, and Indiana. Now... LSU is seven and five. Its five losses have come to the five best teams it's played. So my deal with the LSU is this: like I write the story, I get some pushback. This isn't a shock. Why are you saying this is? No, I'm sorry. This is surprising. Okay, nobody had LSU being in this much trouble heading into SEC play. There might have been a few drive-by cynics that said, "Let's not, you know, necessarily put." them into the tournament just because they have Ben Simmons. I'd love to see that stuff in writing because I don't recall seeing it anywhere in the preseason. But if it's there, by all means, let me know. What I do know for a fact is nobody, nobody thought that LSU would be in legitimate danger of missing the NIT with the roster that it had. <laughs> Especially, in, and listen, I get the Jones criticism and I don't disagree with it. Okay, and last year I argued that they were crazy underachieving even with the roster they had then. But here, here's the numbers. They had two, year, here's the thing that I think gets lost. They had two top 25 picks last year. 
they yeah no with, without a doubt they should have been better but even with like that, they basically had and this is a slight exaggeration but they kind of had a their own little Kaminsky Decker thing you know like they had two first round picks yes listen I Drell Martin loved his game in college Jordan Mickey they were they were fantastic players Quarterman who could end up getting picked was also on that team last year like it was a solid roster overall they still managed to get 22 wins against a, a strength of schedule ranked 76 overall and made the NCAA tournament and now this year their strength of schedule is 315 yeah. they're on pace to win 14 games <laughs> a lot of it's on Jones but the whole my whole thing was okay I get it we all kill Johnny Jones he's the worst coach in college basketball and all that okay Ooh. but to act like we saw all of this coming or that it's not surprising it's okay to be surprised at things and to be taken like nobody had LSU this bad they have no business being this bad a lot of it is on Jones the defense is freaking brutal okay it's so it's just the bizarre. offense isn't much better yeah I know right? it's not and in the, the Ross I mean you got Simmons who you know, is is the front runner to be the number one pick. Blakeney was a McDonald's All American. Quarterman could get drafted. Hornsby is a really solid player overall with what he brings. The roster is not brutal. I I just I kind of just was like, oh, I'll do a quick a quick story on LSU, and then it just kind of just, no, just it's a top twenty. Killed Johnny Jones because yeah. he he deserves it. But my, I guess my greater point, and I kind of got into it a little bit on Twitter, is everyone started acting like this isn't some sort of shock. No, actually, it is. People did not project this to happen. Okay, there is some cause and effect at play here, and it's okay to admit that you know we are a little surprised, even with the head coach in play, that LSU is this bad. No, listen, this sort of, it reminds me a little bit of. Um... Uh, you know, the, the people, well, it's no surprise Bo Ryan walked away. Dude, unless you can show me a tweet where you thought Bo Ryan was going to walk away at midnight on a Tuesday after a win over, who'd they beat? Like, <laughs> they yeah. beat Texas uh, A&M, Corpus Christi. Yeah, after, yes, Corpus unless you, Christi. Unless you, can, unless you can show me that, then yeah, that's surprising. Guys don't, Hall of Famers, Hall of Fame caliber guys don't retire at midnight on a Tuesday after a win over Corpus Christi. So get out of my face. Same thing with uh, this LSU thing. I actually kept LSU out of the preseason top twenty-five and one because yeah. I was like, yeah, let's let's wait and see on this, right? Uh, because yep. I have I have the same concerns that most people have. Um, but like the idea that they'd be this bad, this is crazy. Like this is a top twenty roster in America, and they are terrible. And when you have a top twenty roster in America, and it's ter and, and and your team's terrible. Listen, I've known Johnny Jones for since I was in college. Like he was the. Um, he was the uh, assistant coach for Tick Price when I was in school at the University of Memphis. I was the sports editor of the campus newspaper. I've known Johnny Jones since I was a kid. So, and I, so I really like Johnny Jones. But like, here's the truth: uh, when you have a roster like this and a team that's this bad, people point at you. Like that, mm -hmm. that's that's what they point at. You know. And in fairness, when Calipari had a roster with the Harrisons as freshmen, like that team, and they were bad yes. for much of the year, guess who they were pointing? Guess who people pointed at? They pointed at him, you know, and so this is this is part of the deal. And so, uh, you know, I, maybe they can get it turned around. But uh, uh, but it is it has been one of the more disappointing developments of this early season, watching an yeah. LSU team with the probable number one pick in the draft just flounder in a, in a pretty embarrassing way. Yeah, look, here's the thing. I mean, Matt and I did that top 351 team ranking. Yeah, uh, like at the beginning of the year, we had LSU 38th. Yeah. Like we were low on LSU. Like, right. We're probably lower than anyone else was going into the preseason. Um, this schedule with this roster, they should be no worse than ten and two. Yeah, That's no worse than ten and two. I could not like couldn't say it loud enough, Sam. 
and now they're they're gonna they're probably gonna be under five hundred. Okay, they're seven and five. They go to Vandy. They're yeah. home to Kentucky. Although Kentucky fans are now convinced. I had a few of them. <laughs> they're like, I'm telling you. We're going to lose to LSU. It's just going to be one of those weird, freaky things. And granted, with everything we've seen with Kentucky, it wouldn't be the biggest shocker, even though um, Kentucky is clearly the better team. And then they go at Florida. So the point is, LSU's first three SEC games, Ooh, they're tough. underdogs in all of them, and they could be in a situation where they're 7-8. and eight. And that's where I actually I think it will hit. Um, LSU will be at its most relevant, and, it, and, it's, and uh, the panic button will be hit harder at that point than any other because it will be – the last point of true relevancy for LSU and that how bad they are. College basketball will be at the center of the conversation mostly because college football season will will be wrapping up and Ben Simmons, he's on ESPN all the time. So I actually think, you know, the next week and a half is, is going to get even worse for Johnny Jones. Well, you would have been ahead of the curve then, Norlander. Hey, just like you with the Big East, my man. How about that? And just like Sam with that top 150 draft prospect. <laughs> Let's get out of here. I got to go finish watching Making a Murderer. I'm a, I'm so tired, but also addicted. No spoilers. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but you you have to knock it out before next week's podcast so that we can discuss it in great length right here on a college basketball podcast. We, we will. And by the way, we we talk about these shows, and Sam kind of lays back, and he's always like, "Yeah, I watched that already." Like, really? <laughs> well, like that that's the and, and you're gonna you're learning this in time. You when you don't have children, like you yeah. can watch whatever you want to watch whenever you want to watch it. Yep. Like my, yeah, it's, it's the only easy. the only reason I haven't finished making a murderer yet is because of my two year old. Throwing, it's, he's throwing blocks at your dog. Kelly was like, yeah, Kelly was like yesterday. She was like, so are you going to finish it? I'm like, how can I finish it? Oliver's throwing things at me. Like he's he's being abusive with, with blocks at well, me. If you had him stop singing happy birthday, he's going to turn on you, man. And I, uh, I'm i so like, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not incapable but for the most part of doing two things at once. So like I, Kelly will just like watch Oliver and play with Oliver and read to Oliver, but also watch a television show. Like, I can't do that. Like if I'm going to sit down and watch a television show, I have to watch the show. Like mm-hmm. I can't be distracted by other things, so yeah, like, you, so like, but here's the here's the good news, they're gone right now. Oh, oh, oh. I got bachelorhood at GP GP's house right now. I got the house all to myself on Kelly, a Wednesday at ten forty five local time. You are living the life. <laughs> Kelly got, Kelly got up this morning. She said her her cousin's in town for the holidays. He lives in DC, and uh, she was like, "Hey, do you want to go uh, she, uh, meet my cousin today?" And I looked at her. I said, "Are you crazy?" No, I don't want to go. I want to sit here all day long and watch Making a Murderer and, fo- and football and basketball. That's it. That's all I want to do. Leave me alone. <laughs> so, so they're gone. And, uh, and so I, I feel like I can watch out and uh, knock out a Netflix series here in the next couple of hours. So wish me luck. And enjoy. Good luck, GP. We'll Sam, talk, Sam we'll you got big New Monday. Year's plans? Norlander and I, old married man with children, we can't do anything for New I'm Year's. I'm staying in. Yeah, yeah, I'm staying in. What are you doing? Yeah, actually, hold on. So, Sam, you're actually. You're going. Uh, yeah, I'm going, going down to Phoenix. Uh, going down to the Fiesta Bowl to meet some friends uh, for the Ohio State Notre Dame game uh, uh, over New Year's. Uh, the game starts at 11 a.m. local time, so I will be miserable on New Year's Day. But I plan uh, on being miserable be on, New Year's, on New Year's Eve. <laughs> have you spent much? Time, have you spent much time in Phoenix? I have never actually been to Ooh, Phoenix. I'm pretty yeah, excited. I'm also also okay. going to check out uh, it's Arizona, okay? Arizona State while I'm down there, so that'll be good. What do you mean That's it's okay, good. Norlander? Phoenix is okay? It, it's Well, okay, so I've only been to Phoenix once, and I was there for the tournament a few years back. Mm. And, like, downtown Phoenix, like, you know, covered the games. They were uh, they were done by, like, I don't know. I was, at, I was walking out of the arena at, like, 7.45 at night. Uh, me and, uh, who was I with? I think I was with Luke Wynn. And there was nothing open in, in Phoenix. 
So what about downtown, Scott, is, is it Scottsdale? Is that where everybody is? Is that where all the like? I rich think that's are? where you want to be at. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think downtown proper is 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 you know a little uh, corporate like yeah. in that you know when things shut down they really shut down. I'm not saying yeah. nothing's open, but yeah. um, I, I think, think Scottsdale is yeah. where you want. I went to Scottsdale. The only thing I remember about Scottsdale is that every bar we went to, the waitresses were the prettiest women you've ever seen in your life. Every single one, without exception. It was like, Jesus Christ. And like, where are these people? Like, I think everybody there is pretty. <laughs> like, they, like so pretty that you, they make you feel uglier than you otherwise would feel, even if you already feel ugly. So, Sam, Sam <laughs> good luck. I wish you luck. Sam, let's get a Phoenix Good report help. on Monday's podcast, okay? I'll get a Phoenix report going uh, on Monday. Yeah, I'll be back by Monday. All right. right. So everybody be safe, and we'll meet back here on Monday. And remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. Go do that. Quickest way to get the latest episodes. And uh, we'll talk to you again in 2016. Bye-bye.